Transforming care through genomic medicine, personalized therapeutics, health services and outcomes research, and innovations in healthcare delivery. We're Children's Mercy Kansas City, presenting our audio interview series, Transformational Pediatrics, with host Dr. Michael Smith. Welcome to Transformational Pediatrics. I'm Dr. Michael Smith, and our topic is preventing, delaying, and reversing the progression of type 1 diabetes. My guest is Dr. Mark Clements. Dr. Clements is an endocrinologist and an associate professor of pediatrics at the University of Missouri, Kansas City School of Medicine. Dr. Clements specializes in glucose variability, diabetes care technology, and chronic complications in diabetes. Dr. Clements, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much. So at Glad Children's Mercy, can, oh, thank you for coming on. At, at Children's Mercy, um, approximately how many kids and adolescents and young adults are, are diagnosed with type 1 diabetes each year? We diagnose approximately 220 to 260 children and adolescents per year with type 1 diabetes in the Kansas City area and across the states of Kansas and Missouri. And our uh, Children's Mercy Wichita site, um, which is also part of our diabetes center, diagnoses approximately an additional 50 per year at this time. Uh, so we're diagnosing about uh, 300 to 330 cases a year. Wow. Okay. So what now? Since you're seeing so many cases, right? Um, I mean, it just Children's Mercy sounds like a great place to to conduct diabetes research. What are some of the other things that uh, that Children's Mercy offers? Um, and, and that makes it such a great place for, for research. Sure. Uh, there are several characteristics of Children's Mercy as an institution and of our Diabetes Center that make this a, a fantastic place in which to conduct uh, diabetes research. Number one is that we have an incredibly engaged and large population of kids and families with uh, type 1 diabetes. We see approximately 2,000 uh, children with type 1 diabetes in our center right now, an additional 300 uh, children and adolescents with type 2 diabetes. Uh, we have a very uh, large uh, department with 19 uh, physicians, a number of nurse practitioners, uh, about 16 diabetes educators now, and it really allows us to think about how we deliver care and to think about how to innovate uh, in the way we deliver care. So that's, that's number one. Number two is that uh, we're very interested in studying health outcomes in type 1 diabetes, and Children's Mercy actually has approximately 27 years of experience with electronic health records in one form or another. And that has really been um, beneficial to our research to understand how risks for the complications of diabetes have changed over time because we can actually follow a patient from diagnosis uh, forward until uh, they graduate our clinic into adult care or, or uh, uh, until they develop uh, any one of a number of complications of the disease. Uh, so that's number two. And number three is really that uh, Children's Mercy has an incredibly strong clinical pharmacology program, has an incredibly strong clinical investigator program. I've been through FDA investigator training. I've been through training as a clinical trialist uh, through the Association of uh, Clinical Research Professionals, and a number of my colleagues in the Diabetes Center have as well. So I think that positions us well to do uh, what I consider to be uh, um, 
you know, research uh, uh, of a really high, uh, uh, meeting a really high standard. Tell us um, about TrialNet, and I think the full URL is uh, diabetestrialnet.org, and what you've accomplished uh, with them, TrialsNet. Absolutely. So under the leadership of Dr. Wayne Moore at uh, our site, Children's Mercy has been a participant in TrialNet for a number of years. We have been what's called an affiliate site of the network. So uh, there are um, uh, dozens and dozens of sites across the country. I, I don't recall whether it uh, uh, has surpassed 200, but uh, there, there are quite a few sites around the country. And there are a small contingent of sites who are funded by the National Institutes of Health to lead the network nationally. Uh, currently, I believe there are approximately 18 sites, and I'm pleased to report that in June of this year, uh, Children's Mercy became one of the uh, leading sites in the nation. So we're now at the leadership table for TrialNet, whose mission is really to identify family members of patients with type 1 diabetes who are themselves at risk for getting the disease. And then once we identify those family members who have a positive risk for getting type 1 diabetes, to invite them to participate in clinical trials designed to prevent, delay, or alter the course of the disease. Yeah, so I actually went on diabetestrialnet.org. I just pulled it up, and so there's a nice spot for study participants where you can join a trial, but then there's a spot for healthcare professionals where you can refer a patient, learn about different trials uh, that are going on. Let's move the conversation over to something that, uh, as a general um, uh, physician, Dr. Clements, when I read this or I see this, it makes me ask the question, how? And, and that is the prevention. Yeah. When I think of type 1 diabetes, right? I'm thinking insulin-dependent diabetes. Um, I'm thinking genetic factors. I know there are some viral uh, theories out there, but to, like, how, how do we actually prevent type 1? Sure. So uh, as you alluded to, type 1 diabetes is a problem of the immune system. Uh, the immune system goes on the attack against the cells in the pancreas that make insulin, which of course is needed to control blood glucose levels. Uh, and uh, insulin helps move glucose from the blood into the cells to use as energy. So without insulin, blood glucose levels rise very high, and uh, that becomes a problem because it can affect the health of your heart and blood vessels uh, and a number of your organs. So the prevention strategy for type 1 diabetes and trial net is simple. Let's take the best information we have available from a number of autoimmune diseases, Again, those are the diseases in which the immune system goes on the attack against some organ or tissue in the body. And let's find the immune-modulating medications, so medications that modify the way the immune system is functioning, and let's give them to people who don't have diabetes yet, who are healthy, but who we know, based on uh, biomarkers that we can measure in the blood, are at high risk for developing the disease in the next five years. So a number of those immune-modulating drugs have been used in diseases like rheumatoid arthritis, psoriasis, inflammatory bowel disease, and have shown success. So it makes sense to think that you might be able to transfer that to other autoimmune diseases like type 1 diabetes. Well, so it's interesting. So when you when we talk about immune modulators um, in in 
and you think about, you know, it's like, for instance, we have some of the biologics out there, and uh, many of them are inhibiting TNF-alpha, for instance. Um, how, how, is a, how is a immune modulator different than that, though? Or, or is it, is, obviously, it's not just pure inhibition of TNF-alpha. There must be some other balancing act going on with some, some of these drugs. How does that right. actually work? So there are multiple arms to the immune system so that it can accomplish its function. And the arm or activity of the immune system that's really central to the prevention of type 1 diabetes is the interaction between the antigen-presenting cell or the dendritic cell and the T cell. So when antigen-presenting cells present uh, what we call antigens, which are usually bits of protein or molecules uh, from the pancreas, to a T cell, then that T cell, if it is of the right flavor, can then react. And once it reacts, it can activate and sort of build a small army of T cells that can uh, then cause tissue damage and inflammation uh, in the area of the pancreas that's producing insulin. So what is central to the prevention of type 1 diabetes is disrupting the signaling or the interaction between these antigen-presenting cells and these T cells. If moving the conversation over now to reversing the progression of, so here, you know, let's take it to a step further. So now you have an established diagnosis of type one diabetes. Um, what what's what's the latest research in 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 slowing the or even re, as as you mentioned in the title, reversing the progression of type one diabetes? Right. I would say where we are today. Uh, we have identified some therapies that are really good at slowing the progression of type 1 diabetes and even delaying the onset of type 1 diabetes. We're not so good yet at reversing the progression of type 1 diabetes. It's something that's of great interest to us. We do know that when patients are diagnosed with type 1 diabetes and are placed on insulin therapy, that some of the cells in the pancreas have the ability to recover function. And so we, we call that period of time after diagnosis when they're still able to make some of their own insulin, the honeymoon phase. I'm not really sure uh, why uh, we've chosen the term the honeymoon phase, but right. <laughs> uh, uh, we do know that the autoimmunity continues even during that period of time and the inflammation causes the patient to continue to lose cells that make insulin. So anything that we can do to basically uh, preserve those cells, what we call residual beta cells, uh, is both protective to the patient because it's been shown to delay the onset of complications of the disease many years down the road, and also to decrease the burden on the patient. Uh, it raises, uh, decreases the chances that they'll be exposed to extreme high blood sugars or extreme low blood sugars if they have some functioning uh, beta cells in the pancreas. If 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 we've destroyed the beta cells in the pancreas, where does something like stem cell therapy play a role? Yeah, so uh, I think that uh, there are a number of companies uh, funded by the JDRF uh, and the uh, National Institutes of Health who are looking at various sources of adult stem cells uh, to treat uh, type one diabetes and and potentially to replace the function of uh, the pancreas. There's also some really exciting work uh, happening at uh, uh, Harvard and, and elsewhere 
in trying to identify stem cells in the pancreas that can be transformed into insulin-producing and glucose-responsive cells. Uh, so that research is all happening at a very basic level right now. Um, some of the uh, work that's being done uh, using adult stem cells as a source of insulin in early clinical trials uh, is ongoing, and so uh, we're really waiting for answers from those at this time. Right. Dr. Clements, we obviously could talk for a long time on everything that's going on and the work that you're doing, so I want to thank you for everything you're doing and, and working with Children's Mercy, and thanks for coming on the show. You're listening to Transformational Pediatrics with Children's Mercy Kansas City. For more information, you can go to childrensmercy.org. That's childrensmercy.org. I'm Dr. Michael Smith. Have a great day.